Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Angie Fryermuth. I'm Aaron Snyder. Today's guests are Colonel Seacrest and Tom Waters, who's the Director of Programs for the Middle East District. Thank you guys for joining us here today. Great to be here. So today we're talking about the Middle East District, and we really want to get our listeners to have an understanding of what the Middle East District does, kind of what the mission is, and and maybe if they're interested in going over there, what they could expect. Um, but before that, we'd like to hear from the two of you as really just how did you get to this position with the Corps of Engineers? What brought you here? A little bit of your background, and then we'll get into the details about the district. So Colonel Seacrest, we'll start with you. Hey, great, Aaron. I appreciate the, the invite to participate today. Yeah, my name is Colonel Philip Seacrest. Uh, I am the commander of the Middle East District for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, I've been serving our country for 30 years, um, and 10 of which I've been assigned to U.S. Army Corps of Engineers organizations. The first of which was 2002 to 4. I was a PM forward with the Sacramento District, went over and served in the Iraq Provisional Command for a period of time. And then I've had the opportunity to command multiple districts and organizations within USACE. I've commanded the Philadelphia District, the Huntington District, the Mosul Dam Task Force, and then uh, I've been blessed and fortunate that I'm now the commander since 2019 of the Middle East District. Yeah, and and, uh, this is uh, Tom Waters here. I've had a lot of great jobs in the Corps, and and just in short, I was in industry working for some great uh, AE firms and I got the opportunity to work with USACE, Baltimore District actually, on the DC Public Schools Program. And it was as a contractor initially, and it was just one of the most rewarding opportunities that I had ever had in my career. And I thought, I literally thought at that point, I was like, what a great organization. So I actually became a Baltimore District employee, and then I was able to do the the CONUS emergency management missions, debris missions, ice, water, power, and again, I thought, man, this is this is great, you know, how USACE is, you know, serving the nation. Then I had the opportunity to come over to the Middle East District and at the Transatlantic Division and work in um, Iraq for a few years as the deputy for electrical reconstruction. I also had a district, the North District, as well as the DPM there. And, and then I had the opportunity to go to War College and then uh, come back to this district merely just by chance. Um, uh, job openings and such. There are just so many rewarding opportunities in the Army Corps, um, and they're there for you if you want to take them. And that's what really, you know, attracted me to it. It was more than just a job and just doing uh, an, an engineering or a field project. It was really about all the opportunities for me. Thank you, guys. Great question. Well, thank both of you for your service. We we do appreciate all that you've done for the district um, and the organization in our nation. I do want to get into the Middle East District um, and talking a little bit about that. But for our listeners, this might throw you for a loop. Typically, we're, you know, all about the Civil Works mission set, but we felt it was important that we make sure everybody kind of has a better understanding of the breadth and depth of the Corps of Engineers. So we wanted to highlight the Middle East District today. And so, sir, can you tell us a little bit about the Middle East District and what your main missions are? Thanks, Angie. The Middle East District, right? And I think the Corps of Engineers. As we know, the Corps of Engineers solves our nation's toughest challenges. Something that's unique about the Middle East District is we are solving 
not only our nation's toughest challenges, but those they share with the Middle East district countries. Um, and that is really in our, our, our forces overseas, and that is regional stability and security throughout the Middle East. We have a significant responsibility to support that, create that through the infrastructure that we infrastructure that we build and then the relationships we build across the Middle East. So the Middle East District, uh, USACE, had a footprint and a mission within the Mediterranean and the Middle East since about 1952. So we're right at the 70 year mark. The Middle East District and its current uh, organization has been uh, in existence since 2009. And we really do support uh, the countries and our U.S. forces across the Middle East in various ways. Now, you have your standard MILCON programs where it's doing work, U.S.-funded projects for U.S. forces, and that's the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marine Corps, our special operations forces in multiple countries across the Middle East. Then we have the uniqueness where we have the host nations over there actually fund projects and programs for U.S. forces that we also host nation-sponsored programs that we also do a lot of construction for that. And then the third type of work we do is um, primarily foreign military sales support, um, and that's a significantly large portion of our program, and that is really focusing on it's host nation funded, but it's for their own uh, military infrastructure. It's uh, you know doing projects. Uh, they purchase systems, weapon systems, air defense systems, aircraft from the U.S., and then uh, many times they'll reach out, and as part of that FMS foreign military sales case, they will have the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer, Engineers do the construction for the infrastructure that supports that platform. You know, three really different infrastructure sets, U.S. funded for U.S. forces, host nation funded for U.S. forces, and then really the host nation funded for their own forces uh, that we're involved with. So we have a lot of relationships that we lean on and develop over time within the U.S. DOD, Department of State, and then also with uh, many, many host nation partners across the Middle East. And Tom, if you'd like to add anything, please do so. Yeah, and just some context there is that, you know, we do this in the CENTCOM area of responsibility, which is 22 countries. Um, we're currently um, operating in, in one way or another. We have, we have boots on ground in eight countries and programs in 10 right now. Our area of operation is just around the size of the continental United States, including Alaska. So we're really looking at a very complex region um, with multiple countries. And when people hear Middle East, you know, it's kind of a homogenized term, but every country is so unique and different. They have their own laws, regulations. And so, you know, it really, it really keeps our district on its toes and it, you know, it keeps everyone energized and fresh. Um, as Colonel Seacrest said, when you, you add up the countries and you add up the stakeholder set and customer set in every country, you know, we're looking at, you know, over 100 principal customers in all of these countries that we, you know, we have to uh, carefully manage and prioritize. So it's a, it's a fun and exciting mission. And then I just wanted to mention briefly that we are not a civil works district, obviously. Um, that is not our forte. We're heavy construction, vertical, horizontal. But we rely heavily on the USACE enterprise writ large. We, we work with over 20 districts right now and all of the centers of expertise because we're, we're one of the smaller districts and we have to work across the enterprise. 
And so we've had water resource projects in Pakistan, in Saudi, Egypt, you know, potential work in Jordan. So when those opportunities come our way, um, we reach out to Huntington, to the RMC, to whoever, you know, may be uh, supporting us, you know, really leverage the USACE enterprise for our civil works needs. That's exciting. It seems like you guys have a pretty broad array of types of projects you work on that are going to be unique to many of the core staff. But then also talking about the the large geographic area, where exactly is the district office located? A a great question. I think you know it's it's one of those we get a lot of times. So the district headquarters is physically located in Winchester, Virginia, which is about an hour and a half, pretty much west of downtown Washington D.C. That's our headquarters. And then our footprint forward, as Tom said, we typically have people stationed in about seven to eight different countries and programs in as many as 10. You know, we have only, we have about roughly 140, 150 folks that are forward deployed on TDY or they're actually stationed on PCS in these various countries and such. And so we do a lot of traveling. The folks back here in the United States travel a lot overseas. It's been a challenge, of course, with COVID, but we continue to do it and support uh, those programs. So that is, that's our footprint, headquarters and then the Ford footprint and that environment and some really good living conditions. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, the living conditions in many cases, this is a, a shameless plug for our district for the folks that are going to listen, is that we, uh, we have some exceptional overseas housing. They're westernized five-star villa compounds that often have like full service, right? There's a Olympic sized swimming pools, there's gyms, there's restaurants. And then everywhere we work is, you know, 99% of where we're working right now is, is permissible. And like Colonel Seacrest said, where spouses and families can come. And a lots of our folks who come over, they realize, you know, there's a lot to do in the Middle East and it's a quick uh, hop over to uh, other countries from the region for a long weekend. So a lot of our folks take advantage of that, and we really do struggle uh, recruiting people because I think there's this, you know, impression that the Middle East is a harsh place, but really it's a wonderful place with wonderful people, wonderful culture, um, and we provide great living conditions, great accommodations. Um, In most countries, there's vehicles also available to people, so we really try to take care of our people, give them a great living uh, opportunity. And then the work itself, we have some of the biggest projects, I think, in USACE right now in terms of uh, construction projects. Colonel Seacrest didn't mention that earlier, and, and, and I failed to as well. That for engineers out there and field personnel, contracting professionals, project managers, we, we have some of the most exceptional work um, that could come in anybody's career. And Colonel Seacrest mentioned that when, when a foreign customer buys, say, THAAD missiles or Patriot missiles, F-15s, F-18s, F-16s. These are all foreign military sales cases that are active right now in our area of operation, and we are actively constructing, for better, lack of a better term, mega projects. We've completed an $800 million air defense force, brand new in the nation of Qatar. We're working on right now uh, on a brand new F-15 air base that will ultimately receive around 72 F-15s. We are working on um, up to 17 sites in Saudi right now to provide uh, interoperable THAAD capability with the U.S. So there are just so many 
groundbreaking projects for anybody that wants to come and jumpstart their career with us and, and have a good life out there um, in, in our various countries. We have a lot of great personal and professional opportunities for anybody that would be interested. And thank you guys for that shameless plug. Thank you for letting me do that. Yeah, I don't know about Aaron, but yeah, you almost sold me on the whole thing. That was a great I'm plug. <laughs> I'm ready to sign you up. I did want to go back to the missions that you talked about. You talked about two different missions. And so I think it's important to kind of help our listeners better understand those two missions. We do, you know, the smaller everyday small dollar projects for our U.S. forces also. So it's everywhere from think of operational needs like uh, repairing runways, constructing runways, constructing dormitories and medical facilities, operations centers for our military, U.S. military forces to a lot of quality of life. Also projects, smaller projects, but it's, you know, it's the theater on a base, it's the new shop at PX compound, it's the medical facility, um, it could be some, uh, you know, recreational type facilities and stuff uh, that's really focused on quality of life for our servicemen and women across all the services, right? Um, and so you do have a, a extensive diversity of military, U.S. military programs work that we're doing in the Middle East for U.S. forces. It not only supports the real-world oper ongoing operations, directly supports those, but it also supports the quality of life for servicemen and women directly that are overseas at this point in time. That's really the, you know, the military program in a nutshell. And again, it's across all services. You know, the Air Force and the Army are our two biggest uh, partners in that. And we do work in the Navy um, also, in the Marines, and then we also have some work for our Special Forces uh, folks that we, do, we also execute on, on that program. Tom, you want to add anything else to that one? No, I think you nailed that pretty good, sir. Okay. And then as far as foreign military cells, there is foreign military finance, but that's a relatively small program. But foreign military cells, which is, you know, extensive, and that was what Tom was touching on, you have these, really these significant capability systems that are being purchased for host nation uh, military to strengthen their capabilities. And I think that's the key here, right, is, you know, we're not just putting more U.S. forces in the Middle East and CENTCOM AOR, but really going after how do we strengthen the capabilities of our host nation military partners. And that's what a lot of these systems are for. And then they need the infrastructure to maintain those systems over the long haul. And that's one of the things, you, whenever we travel around the Middle East, you know, as I said earlier in this uh, discussion, you know, USACE has had a footprint in the Middle East, in the Mediterranean in the Middle East since 1952. At one point in time, we had almost 3,000 servicemen, women, DA civilians running around Saudi Arabia. Um, so we've done some extensive infrastructure in those countries and stuff. But as Tom and I travel, um, and we're going out, and a lot of these bases that we have this long relationship on or been, you know, decades ago at, every time the host nation military partners talk about the enduring quality of the USAID's work, it's always brought up. They'll take us into a facility, and they always talk about the enduring quality of the work we provide. Um, and many of these facilities have been there for multiple, multiple decades. Um, and so that's what they really are looking for, for us to continue to provide that level of quality and, and their military infrastructure, and we're doing that across all these countries. That is definitely with the foreign military sales program. That's what that gets after, 
That's what they expect from us, that high quality professional work. And uh, we deliver it for them uh, extensively across the Middle East. Earlier, you mentioned that you have over 100 principal customers across different countries. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. As an outreach specialist for the core for, you know, 20 or more years, I always find it interesting on how we work with our partners in different parts of the core. And so I know that it's hard to build relationship capacity with, you know, 10 customers, let alone 100. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, if I could take that one real quick. Um, Go ahead, Tom. Yep. Yes, thanks, sir. Uh, so, so if you and I just, I'll just quickly, if you can imagine, right? You've got all the scents, right? You, you've got the scent calm, but then you've got our scent, Mar scent, Af scent. Multiply that by every country. Then there's the embassy. Then there's the equivalent organizations in terms of uh, might not be the army. They call themselves in some countries the land forces and the air force, of course. So multiply every. U.S. service component and every foreign service component, then there's the other stakeholders, at the OMCs, the embassies, and other mission partners uh, that you pick up in some of these countries. There's some unique ones overseas that you, you wouldn't necessarily see in CONUS. That really forms the basis of our, our, of our stakeholder. The only way we're successful is, you know, we, we can't, we're not going to tell the Army you're not the number one priority. And then the Air Force is going to come and say, hey, this needs to be the number one priority. We really have to be a very flexible organization, but at the same time, we've, we've built teams around missions, customers, and countries. And so while part of our organization, say engineering, right, engineering gets a new design or a new requirement, and then they, they task it, and they resource it, and they execute it, but our, our project management our, and program management and contracting, they are set up by specific country teams, and so they only share those priorities. And so, you know, we're, we're able to have individuals in our organizations that will be champions for, you know, the Air Force and the Army and, and Saudi Arabia, and then we have the rest of the organization aligned to, you know, accomplish the, the workload writ large. Colonel Seacrest, you could probably articulate a little bit better than I did there. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. I think it, it ties directly into, you know, it's glad to see with, you know, Ch new Chief of Engineers, General Spellman, and one of his priorities is the partnering, strength, and relationships. I mean, so much of what we do, I mean, the only reason we can do that is because of the relationships we have in the Middle East um, and that partnering aspect. Whenever we're doing a host nation, foreign nation, you know, if it's with their Ministry of Defense or their land forces or their aviation command or their Navy forces, you know, we have that relationship, but it always ties back into our counterparts here with our own U.S. forces, because they have an interest in what's going on with their respective partners in that arena. And then also we tie into, uh, as, as Tom said, the embassies in the State Department, because all these embassies have a, a country plan, country strategy that they're trying to achieve, um, and they're bringing all the resources of the U.S. to bear to, to help achieve that. And it's really interesting to see how USAID is kind of in that sweet spot where we can kind of facilitate support in the Department of State, Department of Defense, and then, of course, the host nation military infrastructure. It's really a, a unique group of partners that we encounter and we have these relationships with. You mentioned that you, you, know, you have multiple layers of core or Department of Defense offices that you're coordinating with as far as customers and partners go. 
can you talk a little bit about like that internally, how you how you manage to make sure that you know your your comms are synchronized and that everybody's driving towards the same goals with the partners? That's a very very good question. I think you know at, at the district level uh, and our teams back here in Winchester and then coordinating with our teams on the ground there, they really develop that localized relationship with a lot of the those partners and those various organizations if it's with on, that are on the ground. If it's the host nation, you know, land forces, they are plugged in uh, and having those established those relationships. Tom and I reinforce that when we travel and such. But then, you, like Tom said, we do have teams that manage the program for specific countries. Um, and then you, t you know, and we also are working with those uh, offices of military cooperation that are plugged in with the various U.S. embassies uh, that we're coordinating with them. Um, and then you have at the embassy and State Department level, we share relationships there, but then also our higher headquarters, the Transatlantic Division, General Colleton and the team there, they also manage those relationships with, with her counterparts at that level, and then also within the you know, other general officers when it comes to the U.S., you know, the CENTCOM, RCENT, AFCENT, NAFCENT, MARCENT, SOCCENT, uh, their respective commands that they're plugged into. So it is echelon. We do get pulled in, you know, just this one o'clock this morning, I was on a uh, a meeting with a general officer from a foreign nation uh, in the Middle East and the projects that we're working on with them because it's, you know, nine, nine o'clock their time in the morning. And that was the only time he could meet, right? So that happens on a regular basis is we are definitely coordinated at all kinds of levels with, with our partners over there. Yeah, thanks. It, definitely the, the coordination communication, it seems like you guys have your hands full with that. But I was a little bit curious about the actual construction and some of the challenges that might happen with that side of the equation here is, you know, I, I feel like, you know, maybe it's my view of the Middle East is, is flawed here, but sometimes you might not have the greatest infrastructure working around or your supply chains could be a little different or material availability is different. Um, what kind of challenges do you see with the construction side of things and um, how do you overcome some of those obstacles? Another great question, right? Uh, yes, significant challenges uh, with construction. You have the environmental challenges. You know, it can be somewhat harsh over there certain months of the year. You also have uh, challenges with material availability and, and working through those kind of challenges. You know, you think about it, in the United States, there's a contractor base that used to work with USACE. And for us over overseas, a lot of times we are in this constant uh, developmental process of new contractors, host nation uh, foreign contractors that want to work on uh, the, the foreign military sales projects. And so it does take some time to get uh, to educate and get those contractors up to speed on USAID's business practices. Um, that's another challenge that we face on a regular basis. Tom, you want to weigh into that one also? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I like to tell the new commanders, I say, hey, look, it, when you're in a CONUS district and, and you get hit by a hurricane, other districts come to your support. Um, when we get hit by a hurricane, you know, we're it. You know, we're the show. When when the flag went up to establish uh, the mission in Afghanistan, the Middle East district, you know, had its program, but had to had to take a good part of its workforce and, and stand up Afghanistan. When Iraq stood up, we stood up Iraq. When Mosul Dam Task Force stood up, we stood up Mosul Dam Task Force. So we also have that kind of just there's a lot of volatility and churn in, in our AO, and, and we always, you know, have to be flexible and agile enough and, uh, to uh, adapt to it. And, 
I think our district's great because it, it, it's just required of us. Uh, another one, just to, in the, and sometimes our countries, countries don't get along. There was recently an embargo between some countries and we couldn't get materials in to a country for some time. And, you know, we had to work other ports and routes uh, through other parts of the world. There's just always these unique challenges that, you know, you never had before that you think you've seen them all, but you, you get new ones every year. And that's just part of uh, working in the Middle East uh, and Central Asia. But it's also what makes this job so much fun and exciting is that, you know, if you come spend a little time and work with us, you know, we're going to make you tough and strong um, mentally and, and physically. You know, you're, you're going to be a better person, you know, having, you know, spent some time with us for uh, a year in the field or, or here at our headquarters in uh, Winchester, Virginia. So it, lots of challenges, uh, and you just never know what they're going to be. It's definitely a growth opportunity for personal development. And as I stated earlier, you know, I've been serving our country for 30 years as an Army officer, um, and I've commanded, you know, four USACE organizations, three districts, and a task force. And uh, I'm glad that I got the mo got the uh, the Middle East district at this point in my career because it would be hard pressed to uh, to be able to serve in this district uh, if it had been earlier in my career. There's just it is very dynamic, uh, a very unique problem set, challenging every day, but very very rewarding. I mean, you just uh, the pride that our folks our folks have. The relationships you get to develop with, uh, you know, many of these host nation partners over there are, are very unique and, and can be very, very rewarding as, as you deliver infrastructure for, for them, along with what you're used to. And that is uh, typically, you know, a lot of uh, USAID's personnel get to work with U.S. forces here at CONUS and other places in the world. Uh, you still have those kind of relationships that you can continue to maintain. But it is definitely a, a worthwhile, rewarding experience to come here for, for growth on a personal level. Again, I can't speak for Aaron, but I know that I have learned quite a bit just um, in our time together, and I really could talk to you guys all day about all of this because it's very interesting, but we are nearing the end of our time together, so I do want to offer you some last words, uh, so if there's anything else that you would like our audience to know, uh, now is the time. Hey, thanks. Uh, Tom, I'll let you go first, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Thanks. I really just want to get out there to the folks listening that we need good people. We've got some of the most challenging and complex engineering, construction, project management, contracting work, uh, probably in USAID. So if there are folks out there that you know want to reach out and uh, learn more about that, they can uh, look us up at www.middleeastdistrict.com, or they can just Google Middle East District and it'll pop right up and it'll it'll send them and they can get our numbers and they can contact us. I would personally uh, uh, love to talk to anybody that uh, would be interested. That's all I got, sir. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Tom. And for me, I think it, it goes back to, you know, it is people and relationships, right? That is the one thing that I think of that has impressed me most about working in the Middle East District. Um, it's, our, it's the people we have here in Winchester, people we have uh, that are willing to serve overseas, tying all that together, but, and then just the relationships that you get to work, you know, support of U.S. forces. You know, you're, you're supporting war fighters that are currently supporting current operations in the CENTCOM area of responsibility. 
So you have those relationships on the ground. You can see what you're doing to get that airfield, that runway repaired, and how that supports the Air Force and their operations. You know, and then you have the flip side of that is where, as we look to the future, you know, U.S. forces cannot be everywhere. Um, and so what are we doing to strengthen our partners around the world, right? And I think this is a lot of what we do is about strengthening the capabilities of our uh, host nation partners in the Middle East and CENTCOM AOR. You know, as you bring uh, their infrastructure in place and you see these systems that they're, they're purchasing from the United States and how they are coming online, you know, they are definitely uh, true partners. They're not just relying on the U.S. to take care of their security and, and uh, stability needs, uh, but they're willing to step up and do it on their own. Um, and so we're, we're a big part of that. And it's just, that's just incredibly rewarding. It's for a guy that's been serving in the Middle East some way, shape, or form, a lot of us have for the last couple decades, um, it's good to see that ongoing development of those, those nations in the Middle East and how it supports not only their country objectives, but also uh, the strategy of the United States government. So uh, very, very rewarding. Can't do it without quality people. And as Tom said, we're always looking for the next project engineer, the next project manager, the next quality assurance representative, folks back here in the district itself. And we're always looking for, for new teammates. So please look us up, reach out to us, and uh, we'd love to uh, give you a chance to serve, serve with you states here in Winchester or overseas. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for being here today. This sounds like a fantastic opportunity for our staff, and uh, hopefully uh, those of you that are listening that are interested can reach out to the Middle East District and, and see what opportunities can be presented for you. But thank you, Colonel Seacrest and Tom, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you and what people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.